And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the old saying goes that the show must go on. And so, we are going on with DDT Wrestling. My name is DC Matthews as at DC Matthews NAI. Joined as usual by Doc Manson at Doc Manson. And I say the word usual because today, Doc Manson's not here. Uh... I guess you could call it a comedy of errors. It's not even necessarily a comedy of errors, but it is kind of funny. So you see, uh, both Doc Manson and I work in the education world. I myself, as many of you know, uh, am a classroom teacher. And Doc, who is, somebody actually asked this question the other day, a legitimate PhD, uh, works at a major university. And since school is starting next week... Uh, in many universities, especially ones here in New England. Um, Doc Manson's a little busy, so he had to tap out of this evening's podcast. We usually record on Thursdays for a Friday show, so Doc isn't here, uh, and I can hear you saying, well, DC, why why didn't you use the Pope of Positivity intro that you usually do when you do your own show? Uh, Well, and that's where it gets even funnier, uh, because uh, not only did I buy a new laptop, so I only sent myself certain files, including the DDT Wrestling intro, but uh, I'm not at home. I am in the great woods of Maine. In fact, I debated the merits of recording this outside, uh, al fresco, if you will, Uh, Except while I was out there getting the microphone and all of the required elements to record this show, um, I heard some sounds that were remarkably like gunfire, and I'm not willing to die for you. I will cart all of these items uh, up to the Great Woods. I will uh, make myself uncomfortable in a room... uh, without the air conditioning on full blast in order to record. I will do all of that for you, but I will not get shot for you. Uh, So, unfortunately, you have to deal with just me, DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI, uh, flying solo, and it, you know, what I think is going to happen is we wanted to make sure we got our usual show out on Friday. Uh, The neighborhood has come to expect a DDT wrestling show each and every Friday. We wanted to honor that. So what's probably going to happen is I will record this show, kind of talk to you about my thoughts on the crazy week that we have had in professional wrestling. Um, So you can have that on Friday. And then this weekend, I will probably try to snag Doc Manson. And it will be more of a Doc-focused show and I know many of you are saying, well, it already is a Doc-focused show. And to that I say, be quiet. I don't want to hear it. This is my show, too. All right. So, uh, I, we're even going to save the emails until Doc and I, you know, I can't do a Casey Kasem impression. I doubt you want to hear me read the emails as patio furniture. Uh, so, I'm just going to take you through the week. I've taken some notes. There's a lot I want to say. Uh, so, I'm going to take you through that 
today and you can wait until for a few more days we will give you probably a double podcast week uh, in addition to a private earful which may be a little late it depends on when I get back from Maine that's currently up in the air uh, there's some family business we need to attend to up here in the great woods so I need to wrestle a bear I need to climb a tree uh, I need to buy a boot and all that all right so let's get going here let's have some fun let's talk about wrestling because it has been a crazy crazy time in the world of professional wrestling we had SummerSlam, we had takeover uh we had a new champion a vacated championship we've had injuries we've had all sorts of things going on uh, and I, let's start from the beginning i want to try to cover um, as much as I can, I don't want to just talk about the same three or four topics uh, that a lot of people talk about. Not to say that they didn't do great. I've loved uh, the conversation I've heard. I spent a lot of today listening to NAI Pod. Well, I spent most of today downloading NAI Pod because I was out sitting by a big boot uh, trying to download it on public Wi Fi, and that took a while. Um, but I want to try to talk, you know, I am a maven of the mid-card. I am more interested in the guys that don't get a lot of uh, play. In turn, you know, I'm not wild about main event guys. I like them fine, but I'm more interested in the mid-card guys. So I want to make sure I cover everything. So NXT TakeOver, go back in your minds with me all the way back to Saturday, almost a whole week ago. Uh, many of you were in Brooklyn. I'm th- I was thrilled to hear so many members of the neighborhood had such a good time in Brooklyn. Um, so let's go back there. And NXT TakeOver began with No Way Jose, he of the conga line, uh, taking on the greatest produce salesman that ever lived, Austin Aries. I'm not going to review the matches or do any of that kind of thing. I just want to talk about you know my thoughts and impressions, what I took away. And you know one of the things that I took away from this is how important... A good loss is. You know, no way Jose lost to Austin Aries. Tapped out to... Uh, I don't remember the name of Austin Aries' submission move. Uh, but he looked really good. My impression of no way Jose is way better now than it was before. Before he was just a dancing guy uh, with a weird... You know, that punch to the face finisher. You know, and this is from someone who thinks the heart punch is a fantastic finishing move and uses it usually in video games when I can. But that punch to the face just came out of left... You know, I didn't. he didn't seem to have a history as a boxer or anything. So that... Why would you use a punch? Um... But he looked really good. I liked the aggressive side of him, you know. We've seen with Adam Rose that the dancing gimmick doesn't work uh, long-term, either in NXT or on the main roster. You know, he wasn't in NXT long enough uh, for it to fail, which is part of the problem. Uh, But then Adam Rose got to the main roster, and within a few weeks or even a month or two, he was dealing with a bunny, that's what No Way Jose's future was going to be. But now there's another side to him. There's another layer to him. And I think that's good. And I think credit needs to be given both to him, because he did some of the work, but also to Austin Aries. You know, Austin Aries helped to make No Way Jose. And not only did he do that, he made Hideo Itami. I am treating NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2 as Hideo Itami's debut. Uh, I'm wiping the slate clean. He did not exist until Saturday when he came out. I wish he wore socks. I don't understand why people don't wear socks. Um, You know, I know Einstein didn't wear socks, but that's not a good enough reason. Um, Hideo Itami came out. He 
you know, looked good. He finally hit the GTS. He has a wrestling move, or at least something that's not just simply a strike. We'll talk more about that when we talk about uh, our current NXT champion. Uh, so I thought Hideo Itami did well. So, you know, Austin Aries helped to make two guys in one match. And I hope that that's not all Austin Aries is here to do. I'm slightly worried that he's here in NXT to help make other guys. You know, this is my worry with Samoa Joe, too, is that we're never going to see him on the main roster. He was signed to help build other guys and then go away. And I hope that's not the case with Samoa Joe, and I hope that's not the case with Austin Aries, uh, though I would like him to become more than just a produce salesman. Uh, I don't rant nearly as well as my co-host Doc Manson and I'm not going to try to get his level of anger but I was quite perturbed watching NXT that first match and seeing all of the attention a few minutes in turn to the right of the hard camera and it turned out being Ric Flair making his entrance now I get it Ric Flair is an icon Ric Flair is a two-time Hall of Famer Ric Flair should be able to get into any WWE or NXT event that he wants to. However, what does it say about the talent in the ring and the talent of the company as a whole if he is allowed to come in late and steal everyone's thunder? You know, the crowd stopped caring about what was going on in the ring because Flair arrived. So myself as a fan watching on the WWE Network... I stopped caring because I was looking over there to see. And, you know, if I'm Austin Aries, I'm taking offense to that. I really, really wanted him. At one point, he did the dive through the ropes out there, and, you know, he did the woo, the Ric Flair woo. Uh, you know, I, there's people around who will find it odd for me to do it legitimately right now, so I'm not going to do that. But I didn't want him to woo. I wanted him to lean over and slap him in the face because it is a sign, I feel, of disrespect to the talent in the ring. It is a disrespectful sign to Austin Aries for Ric Flair to come out. If you can't get there on time, Slick Rick, don't show up at all. I watched um, SummerSlam at Doc Manson's house uh, with, you know, GQ was there. Uh, some other friends were there, including, uh, I'm not going to remember her Twitter name again, Rachel, Rachel Noel. She'll, under, she'll know who she is. She can tweet at it, and I'll retweet her. You know, I forget her official name she said she once went to a charlotte bobcats game and the same thing happened he showed up in like the second or third quarter and nobody started paying attention to the game anymore you're not that cool rick flair all right that's enough of that let's move on to something that was fairly cool and that was our next match ember moon versus billy k um again billy k looked good what i liked about uh nxt is there was not a squash match sometimes in, in NXT TakeOvers, the debuting superstar kind of squashes their opponent. If it wasn't for the fact that he broke Kevin Owens' nose, CJ Parker, you probably wouldn't even remember CJ Parker, and you might not even have remembered him now. I might have just popped his image back into your mind. But, you know, some of these guys get beat pretty severely. And, you know, up until NXT the week before the Go Home Show, I, you know, I was calling on the poll we did, Ember Moon's opponent, the Sacrificial Lamb. And that wasn't the case. Billy Kay had a strong showing. I like Billy Kay. I think she's a future star in the women's division. Uh, I liked Ember Moon. The red eyes, I don't think it's going to last very long. You know, again, it's the same kind of thing. That There are certain gimmicks that are not going to translate to the main roster. In 2016, you cannot have red eyes. You can't. Uh, you know, maybe if you want to put them in for big matches and that's your demon, 
you know, you're tapping into the prophecy or whatever. She wants to do that fine, like the Finn Balor demon paint, but it's not going to work. Um, I'm, I'm torn with her finisher, and I've tweeted about this. I probably tweeted about all of this, so some of this is going to sound repetitive. I apologize. Uh, her finisher is visually stunning. <laughs> it is... Um, because it's a stunner. It is, uh, it's fun, but there are certain finishers that rely a lot on your opponent. The first time one of Ember Moon's opponents takes that finisher poorly, either she drops to her knees or she falls the wrong way, that move is going to look really, really dumb. Um, so one of two things needs to happen. Either one, every NXT woman and eventually WWE woman, because uh, Athena, Ember Moon's going to make it to the main roster, needs to learn how to take that move. Or, she's going to need to find another finisher. That can be a great, you know, B finisher. Uh, I'm of the belief that people should have two finishers anyways. That would be a good one for her to have sometimes uh, for other things, you know, to break it out at big matches. Um, but, it's not going to work long term if people don't take it right, you know. And and again, I feel bad saying that because it's I've never seen anything like it before, except for Buff Bagwell's blockbuster. It's kind of essentially a similar version of that, but I have hesitations. Um, I also have hesitations because right now, isn't Ember Moon the number one contender to the NXT Women's Title? She's had one match, and she's the number one contender. Uh, I'm going to talk about this more when I talk about the Oscar Bailey match, but there's a problem in women's wrestling when that can happen, when you can have one match and become the number one contender. Now, granted, there's a chance Bobby Roode's the number one contender to the NXT title, and he had one match. Maybe this problem isn't with the NXT women's division specifically. Maybe it's with NXT as a whole in that, and I, I've talked about this a thousand times, you have an hour a week to tell your stories. You can't have a real deep division. Ember Moon beat Billy Kay. That means that probably Ember Moon's ahead of uh, Jersey Girl 1, Carmella Light, the one who looks like Mark Marrow, the golden Eva Marie, uh, Peyton Royce, who we haven't seen in ages, uh, the one who looks like Blue Pants. You know, forgive me if I'm forgetting anyone. Uh, this is part of the problem is there hasn't been enough time to, you know... NXT is designed to make a very select few people relevant. It's just that's all it has time for. That's a problem in that Ember Moon's now it, um, the number one contender. And again, I'll, per, I'll pose a potential solution that I've talked about before when we get to the women's title match. All right. I mentioned Bobby Roode. That entrance was glorious. Uh, he was nervous, obviously. He didn't want to fall. Uh, as someone who is afraid of heights, I can't blame him. If I'm four feet in the air and I feel unsteady, I'm crying and almost wetting myself. So, uh, but the entrance was fantastic. I watched that probably more than any other part of SummerSlam weekend. I've probably seen that entrance now six or seven times. Um, he was great. I still have a, pro I have a problem with his finisher. You know, a pump handle drop. You know, there are variations of the pump handle uh, you know, you could do a slam, you can do a drop, you could do a bomb, I suppose, you could do a throw just over your head. Uh, the drop is generally considered to be the weakest of the moves. That's not a glorious finisher. If you're going to use something, if, you're, if your gimmick is that, use the perfect plex. You teased it, 
use the perfect plex, and maybe he will have a glorious bomb and a glorious plex. Certainly not opposed, again, two finishers. Uh, but a pump handle drop is just, in my mind, a real lame finisher, and I hope that changes. Um, Andrade Almas, you know, I'm watching him the second time. Uh, I watched that match twice, and I'm watching him the second time, and I'm saying to myself, this guy's a heel. All of the stuff he does, the pose in the ropes, the flip over the ropes, and then the kind of leaning on his hand and smiling, that makes more sense if you're a heel. Why isn't this guy a bad guy? Even the look would work if he was a cocky heel with the hat and the suspenders who just thought he was better than everyone else. You know, he almost could pull off uh, a variation of what Alberto Del Rio was initially if he was a heel. I don't understand why they're trying to make him a face where he doesn't have it. There's no character development. He's just that guy who smiles. We already have guys who smile. They don't do anything. Um, I feel bad that I'm calling him Andrade the afterthought for the rest of his life. But, you know, and again, I think there's a fix there. Turn him heel. Give him something to do. Maybe Almas versus No Way Jose would be a fun kind of beginning level or mid-level feud for these guys for a while. All right. That brings us to the match of the night. And in my mind, the match of the entire SummerSlam weekend, uh, at, well, I suppose I didn't predict that. I said that John Cena versus AJ Styles would be better, and it was close. But uh, the Revival versus Gargano and Ciampa. Is there a better team in the world than Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder? I don't care if you know which one's which. I don't care. That might, in fact, be part of the reason why they're so good. They obviously... Those are two guys who obviously have, at this moment no aspirations of being single stars. Maybe they even realize we're not going to be single stars. You know, if you're a talent who is great in the ring, but you're missing that it factor, being part of a tag team is not a bad way to go because you can find, if you have chemistry with your tag team partner, hello, we just saw it, uh, there's your it factor. The it factor, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder are fantastic wrestlers on their own. Neither of them are going to set the world on fire as single stars, but they are so good together it makes them great. I'm telling you, know, I don't watch a lot of independent wrestling, so maybe you can give me another name, but if you give me the Young Bucks, I will laugh in your face. The Revival's the best team in the world, in my opinion, right now. There is nobody better. Um, Gargano and Ciampa were great. I loved... Like, I was literally, I think I actually got to my feet and was almost jumping up and down, waiting for Gargano to just beat the, no, Ciampa, excuse me, to beat the holy heck out of Gargano after the match. And the fact that they didn't was almost better because I'm like, oh, they're saving it. Oh, they're saving it. Uh, I only think it's a matter of time before Psycho Killer Tommaso Ciampa turns and it's going to be wonderful when that happens. The storytelling that those two guys have done in their cruiserweight match and in that tag match, mwah, magnificent, magnifico, magnifique, to use multiple languages for no reason. Um, it was fantastic. You know, I give credit to the, the agents that put that match together, but I give credit to those guys. You know, they are becoming made men in WWE, whether it's in the cruiserweight division or whatever, uh, because of that work. You don't always see that. They're 
they're doing it themselves to quote their really dumb tag team name um another thing while i'm talking about this i liked what nxt did they saved their three title matches for the three last matches of the night and i suppose it's easier to do when you have six uh when you only got six matches on the card but they had a distinct separation between undercard and main event they you know I would say all three of those matches were the main event, and your title matches should, in many ways, be your main event contests. Asuka versus Bailey was good. I wasn't particularly wowed by it, but it was good. I like Bailey. I like Asuka. Uh, I thought Bailey had a wonderful final moment. I enjoyed everything about that. I wish the rosters would come out to kind of, you know publicly declare that this was it you know the entire NXT roster should have come out to kind of cheer for Bailey as she walked off um I can understand a little bit why they don't do it but I think it would have made it even more special um the question I have is what's next for Asuka she is so far above every other talent on that roster you know again the number one contender is Ember Moon and then probably Billy Kay and then everyone else is lumped in at that uh, next spot. How do you handle a division when your champion is nine or ten steps better than everyone else on your roster? Um, and my answer to that is you move the champion along. There's no reason besides the language issue, and you can work around that, I think. I don't think Asuka needs to talk to have a successful WWE career. In fact, I would book it where she didn't say a word. Give her a manager, don't give her a manager. Let her non-verbal skills speak for themselves. Move her up to the SmackDown roster, since Bailey's already on Raw, and you have a tournament. I know they're gonna they should have the Dusty Tag Team Classic um, coming up after the Cruiserweight Classic. I get that that's probably happening. You've got to figure out the women's division, and you've got to do it without having someone so much better than everyone else. Uh, you know, you can build a division. There's eight to ten, and then if you start signing these uh, women like Tessa Blanchard, Santana Garrett, Rachel Ellering, who are not full-time uh, NXT talents, if you tried to get them to be NXT talents, you have a wonderfully deep division if you move Asuka along and let everyone else fight for the title. Just by two cents. Uh, that brings us to the main event of NXT, uh, Samoa Joe versus Nakamura. My unpopular opinion of the night uh, for Saturday, I was unimpressed by Nakamura's entrance. I love the violin, and whoever that was did a very nice job playing the violin. But other than that, it was just an entrance. I don't understand how you can say Nakamura's was better than Bobby Roots. In my mind, you're just wrong if you say that. Besides having the violinist, what did he do differently? Maybe I'm wrong, all right? Maybe, in fact, I'm wrong. What did Nakamura do any differently than any other entrance he's had? Nothing that I saw. He did the hand motions as he walked to the ring. He did the up the steps. He did the pose on the ropes. And then he stretched. It was like every other Nakamura entrance, which are great. They're not glorious, and that's me, you know, nitpicking here. But everyone was like, oh my god, it was so awesome. And I just didn't get it. Alright, the match was good, though. 
Um, I like Samoa Joe. I like Shinsuke. Uh, the reason I like Shinsuke is because despite the fact that he does a lot of strikes, a lot of knees, a lot of punches, a lot of kicks, uh, he also does wrestling moves. This is why I didn't like Hideo Itami. He had no wrestling moves. If I wanted to watch people use knees and kicks and punches, I'd watch UFC. And I don't. I don't like UFC. Uh, and even UFC guys, I suppose, do more wrestling than Hideo Itami does. I'd watch kickboxing or whatever. Um, I'd watch the movie Kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme versus Tong Po, which is a great movie. I'd watch that, or I'd watch uh, Bloodsport or any other great Van Damme movie if I wanted to see that. Uh, you know, Hopefully Hideo does more wrestling moves. Like I said, I'm starting off fresh with him, giving him a clean slate. Um, what's next for Joe? What's next for Nakamura? Well, obviously Joe needs to get his jaw fixed. That's a shame. I was hoping to see him on SmackDown, but that's probably unlikely. I'm guessing they have a rematch. I'm guessing it's Joe versus Nakamura 2, if only because uh, Bailey. this was Bailey's swan song, and NXT, to the best of my knowledge, doesn't usually do two at a time. Uh, so if they wait until October-ish or November-ish, whenever the next takeover is scheduled, Joe versus Nakamura, they throw some sort of stipulation in there. Somebody suggested, maybe it was Liam, Liam NAI, suggested, uh, yeah, it was Liam Stryker. Uh, last man standing match, sold, sign me up. That would be fantastic. Um, and then that can be Samoa Joe's swan song, if in fact he's heading to WWE. I liked NXT TakeOver a lot. Uh, I wouldn't say... I thought SummerSlam was better, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, we'll talk about SummerSlam in just a minute. But uh, I thought it was good. I thought NXT was good. I thought SummerSlam was good. It was a great weekend to be a wrestling fan. And there's been wrestling Monday night, Tuesday night. Uh, I watched some of NXT. I watched Ty Dillinger. I love that man. He needs a new finisher, too, while I'm at it. Um, but his match was great. I wish he could have been part of TakeOver. There, again, no reason why he's on NXT right now. He's ready for WWE. Tyler Breeze, Fandango, Ty Dillinger, take my money. That's stable all day long. Uh, but uh, I enjoyed NXT. Many of you did too. Let's move on to SummerSlam. Uh, I want to start with the uh, pre-show because what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about SummerSlam and with each match, I'm going to kind of tie in what happened. I don't want to do SummerSlam, then Raw, then SmackDown, just because I think we can tie it all together that way. And I don't want to copy NAI Pod style. That's what they did. They covered each show separately. Might be the better way to do it. I'm going to try to weave in and out of things in my in the traditional DDT wrestling stream of consciousness. There's no way to organize this kind of way. Uh, SummerSlam began with the SmackDown tag match. The Rehashing of whatever happened on SmackDown itself. They just did it again. Uh, full disclosure, haven't seen this match. The only reason I'm talking about it is I want to talk about the new SmackDown tag team titles, which look great. How? Who would have guessed that the copper belts were so horrible and hideous, but all of a sudden you make them silver with a blue background and they look phenomenal. Like, I'd wear those. Not out publicly, but, you know, around the house. Mrs. Matthews wouldn't approve, but, you know, sometimes you gotta, you gotta wear something nice for yourself, you know? You know what I'm saying? Man, it's hot in here. Um, they're having a tournament. I love tournaments. Uh, I was baffled, and I loved what saved me was that all of you were baffled, too, uh, that American Alpha faced Breezango in the first round. I think if you had said 
uh, to us before SmackDown. Hey, there's going to be a tournament to determine uh, the new SmackDown Tag Champions. Who's in the finals? I think most of us would have said American Alpha versus Breezango. And the fact that they made that an opening round match, you're missing the mark on Breezango. You're missing the mark. They're doing great in their little backstage segments, which are dumb, which is the point. It's wrestle silly. Their tag team wrestling is good. Both of them are great individual wrestlers. You're missing the boat, WWE. Uh, at least make that a semifinal match. At least make that a semifinal match. If you want to tell the story where the Usos are turning heel, which I'm intrigued by. The Usos have been probably the most boring parts of wrestling that I can remember in 2016. The Usos are incredibly dull, but if you want to turn them heel, I'm interested. That's something new and something different with those characters. So if you want to do that, fine. And if you need to do that in the finals, fine. But Breezango deserved way more than being in the opening round loss. Um, I like what Heath Slater's doing. Another unpopular opinion. I like what Heath Slater's doing. Uh, he's way more interesting now than he ever has been before. However, you're not telling me that you value these tag team titles if you're using it as a device to tell a story for a singles wrestler. All right? Uh, and if you don't understand what I'm saying is... This tournament should be all about tag teams. You have to make tag team wrestling a priority, otherwise it's not any good. Until the New Day came around, tag team wrestling, I suppose Kadaro was good and uh, Eric Rowan and Luke Harper were good, but tag team wrestling was an afterthought. You've got to prioritize it. You know, you have to make sure that the stories that they're telling are interesting. Otherwise, you're just putting talented wrestlers together in teams and letting them wrestle on the pre-show. And that's a lot of what we saw from Kadaro and Harpro and the Usos. Turning the Usos heel on American Alpha is a story specifically designed for tag team wrestling. Pairing up Heath Slater and Rhino isn't. Because either they're going to win the whole thing which is good for Heath Slater, but bad for tag team wrestling. Or they're going to lose next week, and Rhino's going to turn on Slater, and you're just wasting time. So, I, I, I'm not wild about that. I'll give it a while. And the thing that's saving me here, besides the fact that you all seem to share these opinions, is we have a mystery team. And I love mystery teams, because they could be anybody. It's probably going to be, you know, Baron Corbin and Kalisto in some sort of weird team for no reason. Uh, but I'm hoping maybe it is the returning Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Well, Eric Rowan's been there, but Luke Harper should be back from his injury. He tore his ACL. I believe the last I checked, his return was August. It is August. In fact, it's the end of August, so you gave him all month to make sure he was good. Why not? Why not have those two return? And now, if you want to tell me we wanted American Alpha versus Harpro in the finals, fine. Fine. Forget Breezango for this moment. You know, should have been in the semifinals. But if you want to tell me that you're putting Harper and Rowan, if they're going to win the titles or if they're going to just, you know, do well and lose to American Alpha, I have no problem with that. I also have no problem if the revival gets promoted. And even if it's just for this tournament and wrestles in this tag team tournament. No problem with that either. Anything else, I'm going to be iffy. All right. Uh, Neville and Zane versus the Dudleys. Um, I'll probably save the Dudley discussion for Doc Manson. 
you know, the Dudleys apparently are really done. They're really, honestly, truly done uh, in World Wrestling Entertainment. We hoped for a Bully Ray thing. We hoped for something. Um, you know, I want to talk um, to you, Neighborhood, and I want to talk to Doc Manson about where the Dudleys rank all time. Um, I want to know whether or not this last year has impacted their legacy in a negative way. Probably not, but I could make a case for it. Um, however, you know, I do like this idea of Neville and Sami Zayn as a tag team. It seemed like a one-time thing. Obviously, they moved on um, both into the Universal Title Series on Raw. Uh, you know, I guess the question is, the question I have is, a lot of people are like, well, yeah, we like Neville and Zayn as a tag team, but, but... They should be doing more. You know, Sami Zayn should be contending for the world title. So here's my question. Neville's obviously going to be part of the cruiserweight division. I think that's a given. There's a very good chance that Sami Zayn, who is listed at 205 pounds, will also be part of the cruiserweight division. So let me ask you a question, neighborhood. Feel free to get to me at DC Matthews NAI, DDTWrestling at gmail.com, however you want to give me your answer. But here's my question for you. Which would you rather see? Would you rather see Sami Zayn as a strong core component of a talented cruiserweight division? Or would you rather see him flittering around the mid-card, maybe getting a sniff or two at the main event, but also probably spending a lot of time wrestling on superstars? And don't give me the third option, which is, I want him in the main event. I want him to be fighting Kevin Owens for the world title or the universal title. We all want that. But if that's out of the question, you have to pick either or. It's a Coke or Pepsi decision. No RC Cola. Foundation of the cruiserweight division, wrestling relatively every week. Or mid-card guy who doesn't wrestle as often. Pick one. I'd rather see him every week. If that means he has to be in the cruiserweight division and he's wrestling Neville or Kota Ibushi or Cedric Alexander, oh, twist my arm. I'll watch those amazing matches. I'm okay with Sami Zayn, quote-unquote, just being a cruiserweight guy for now. And really, perhaps forever. So there. Uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. Cesaro and Sheamus. Cesaro, Cesaro, tomato, tomato. I don't understand why they're not just making this match three. And, and you know, the match was good. Both guys are very talented. It's a shame, though. They're, you know, they're in the middle of this best-of-seven series. Then Balor gets hurt, has to surrender the Universal title. They're going to have a Universal title series. Sheamus and Cesaro were not part of it. Why not have their match number two, which should be match number four, why not have them wrestle on Raw, and the winner advances. You know, just because they're part of this storyline over here doesn't mean they can also be part of the main storyline. You can do two things at once. You know, how interesting would it be? Now, I know Cesaro or Sheamus probably weren't going to win the Universal title, but all of a sudden, this coming Monday night on Raw, let's say, even let's say Sheamus, let's say Sheamus is in the Fatal 4-Way match. We don't want it to be Cesaro, but let's say it's Sheamus. Sheamus is in that Fatal 4-Way the announcers can talk about the fact that if Sheamus wins, Cesaro now has five or six chances 
to potentially beat him. That he can now be wrestling the Universal Champion in a best of seven series. Why not let those two things happen simultaneously? We don't have to separate them. It's unfortunate to both of those guys because now they missed that opportunity. But the match was good. All right, that brings us to SummerSlam itself, and it really would not be fair of me to talk about SummerSlam without including the one, the only, Doc Manson. So I'm going to put a pin in this episode here. It is a shortened version of the DDT Wrestling podcast, which I believe I'm just going to call the Great Woods podcast, or, or the Great Northern Woods podcast. But either way, we will be back probably sometime this weekend to talk about the main card of SummerSlam and all the ramifications therein. But until then, my name is DC Matthews at DC Matthews NAI. We'll see you around the neighborhood.